0: So today on the Pulse Wave, our guest is going to help us to learn how to be more financially responsible. He's a certified financial planner for military veterans and business owners. He started Baskin Financial and has developed specific offerings to best serve the military community and each family's unique stage in life from younger military, younger military members that are just getting started to transitioning members to veterans. Eric Baskin of Baskin financial. Welcome to the pulse wave. Thanks for coming on. And how are you doing today?
1: Hey, Virgil. Uh, thanks for having me, uh, doing, doing well today, uh, middle of the week.
0: Cool. So let's get into it. So clearly you're passionate about finances and ideally making finances grow, right? So, were you 14 years old saving up all the pennies in your piggy bank or did this happen a little bit later?
1: um honestly like i was super interested in math growing up like my dad when i was a kid probably like five six years old we'd be at like restaurants and we'd do like he'd always get crayons out and we'd do like math problems on the table so like he was always trying to like he's a math guy so he's always trying to like grill me to like appreciate math so i think my affinity for numbers started way back then Mm -hmm. um and then like into like when i was playing uh junior hockey i can remember uh before college trying to earn a scholarship i can remember uh you know, getting on my computer, like playing around on E-Trade some money that I had at the time and like always kind of having that uh, interest and in infatuation with stocks and the in the stock market. So, um, you know, fast forward into college and I'm kind of like become like the go to guy for like a lot of my friends and teammates for like, hey, like, do I need to start a Roth IRA? Like, what's this Vanguard thing? Um, just just kind of like had such a natural interest in it and love talking to people about it. Um, and then, you know, once I graduate from the Academy, get into my first Air Force job, um, kind of do some, a lot of soul searching and and find this path of personal finance and starting your own financial planning firm.
0: Cool. So you mentioned the Air Force Academy. How did you, how did that uh, end up a destination for you? how did you end up there?
1: I was playing hockey after high school. You go play junior hockey to try to earn a division one scholarship and, uh, Air Force Academy, uh, approached me in my second year. Uh, I didn't have any division one offers yet. And I was like, well, this Air Force thing is, I don't know about this. And then I went on the, I went on the visit and it was like a, a no brainer, just the total package that they offer, getting to play divisional in hockey, getting to get a world-class education, I uh, checked all the boxes for me.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. That's a really great experience. Um, you know, when I was reading through some of your profile, you credit the book, $100 started by Chris. Gallabo as basically your sort of final impetus to starting Baskin Financial, and in that book he says something to the lines of to find something that people naturally come to you for, something that you're passionate about, and then people will pay you for. I guess that last part is pretty important if it's a yeah. business. You know, <laughs> so you know, was it really that? Was it really that book that sort of helped you go over the edge and, and get going?
1: Yeah, truly. Um, Honestly, like I, I don't know that I grew up dreaming of being an entrepreneur or a business owner. I, I, I wanted to be a doctor, honestly. Um, and I got into the Air Force Academy and just, I don't know, got more focused on economics. That was my major and being a, being a doctor in the Air Force, you have to commit, uh, usually you do 20 years. So I was like, I'll just do the business major economics, uh, go to do hospital administration. Um, but I start anyways, I start reading these books and I start getting like all these business ideas in my head and until I read that book. I was like, Oh, it's been in front of me the whole time. Like this personal finance thing, uh, being a financial advisor, financial
0: planner. Uh, like this is, this is it. That's great. You know, you got a great charter. Can you explain to me some of the things that you, as you're looking for financial advisors, some sort of red flags?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, um, your typical advisor, and that's a very, very broad word. Anyone can use that that term. Um, whether you're, uh, you're, you do full, uh, financial planning, investment management, like I do, or you do, uh, or you're just an insurance salesman. Like you can use that term, right? Everybody's got it on their business card. So, um, I would say look for, um, obviously how they're paid. Uh, is it based contingent upon a product? Uh, most of the industry is, uh, it's commission based. So that is like based on mutual funds. There's usually sales loads on those. So is it do they put you in a whole life insurance product and that's how they get paid? Do they put you into a mutual fund and then there's a sales load on that mutual fund? So I'll give you an example, uh, for a prospect that I'm talking to you right now, or actually brand new client, just bringing him on his, the funds he's in right now have a 5.75% sales load on them. It's a front end load. They're class A shares is what it's called. Um, so he, it's already paid. He already, he already, he already paid it, but he was paid 5.75% when he invested in the fund. So like that's how a lot of the industry is getting paid based on commissions. Um, It's changing uh, slowly, Um, you know, guys like myself, uh, networks like XY Planning Network, which I'm part of, uh, which is only about 10 years old. um, There's more fee-only advisors that are up and coming. So fee-only, basically the biggest difference I'm talking about, uh, most of the industry is not. Uh, So fee-only, means you are only paid directly from clients um for advice so that could be directly uh with a credit card uh, unlike a monthly subscription fee it could also be uh, a percentage of assets fee just basic uh, like a one percent assets under management fee that's still fee only um, because you're just receiving payment from the client and giving them advice there is no third party there is no um i'm not referring them to somebody for a life insurance product, and then getting a commission for it, like there's no, there it minimizes conflicts of interest. And typically, your fee-only advisors are going to be working for firms that are smaller, uh, more independent. Um, they're not going to be working typically for the bigger firms that you may have heard of uh, that are out there. Uh, I won't name any, so I don't get sued, but. Um, you these are the firms, the people working for the, these firms are going to be the people that are going to be DMing you on LinkedIn, um, typically focused on certain products, uh, that are very, very high paying for them. Usually, usually whole life insurance, some sort of permanent life insurance. Um, so that's, that's, I guess the biggest difference and the way to tell if an advisor's fee only, uh, honestly, if you just go on broker check, Google it. Um, okay. if you look up someone's name, they're registered as an investment advisor or they can be registered as a broker, or they can be registered as both, okay? 10% of the advisors in the US, around 10, are registered as only an investment advisor. That, that, that's why I'm registered. That means you can only get paid directly from clients for advice. That means you're fee only. If you're registered as a broker at all, you are not fee only. By definition, you can accept commissions. Uh, you can sell your client's products. You can wear your fee only hat, your, your investment advisor hat, and say, "Oop, I can." I'm giving you good advice for money and then you can also turn right around and put on your broker hat and sell them a whole life policy so that's kind of the the difference between the
0: two so you talk about you know young soldiers um let's equate say there's young soldiers and there's entry level people in in the professional world right let's just say they're they're equal right so you go from not having any money ever to finally making some money, so uh, you know, for someone who's working, you are with with a lot of these folks. How do you get them motivated to do the things necessary in order to have some comfort at some point financially?
1: Yeah, I think for for younger folks, yeah. it's a a keeping things relatively simple. Um, I can tell you, especially in the military, um, like avoiding pitfalls and dumb things to do with your money, dumb things that people do with their money to, yeah. to say bluntly, uh, avoiding that stuff is, is honestly a lot more important than anything, any specific investment, any specific strategy. So, um, early on it's keeping it simple and then just getting started, uh, momentum and like automation, uh, we're horrible. We're horrible. He, humans are horrible investors. We're horrible at saving. So anything that we can automate, um, Hey, like, let's just start with 5% of your income let's and then then, oh let's just up that to six like like baby steps just get something started um if they need motivation it's it's you know go back to the questions of hey would you like to you know what what is retire what is not retirement i hate i hate to say that word to a young person it's so far off but what do you want how do you want to live someday do you want to travel um like it's okay like let's talk about that like that's going to take money Um, that's going to take X, you know, X amount of dollars someday if you want to live off of it. Well, how are we going to get to that amount of dollars? Well, we need to put something away today so that it compounds and grows into that. So it's, I, I think it's just a little bit of education around, um, you know, what they might need someday. And then that, Hey, the earlier we start the better, um, compound interest is this crazy wild thing. I think inflation is the reason why we do have to invest right i I think from a fundamental aspect like they teach you kind of in economics 101 you have inflation let's just say it's three percent a year um if we don't make three percent a year on our money uh we're losing money i think also being realistic and about the conversations like we (laughs) making a projection of how much money you're going to need in 40 years like i don't like that's not even, it, it probably won't even be close to accurate. So many things are going to change between now and then. So at the same time, like also not taking it too seriously. Like if we have to adjust course, um, we will, uh, if you're not making very much right now and you're 25 and you're just getting by it, that's okay. Um, you're paying down some student loans, whatever it may be. Um, we, again, if, if, if I can't make up numbers here, right? If you, if you can't put away, you know, 500 bucks a month into your Roth IRA, um, it's not the end of the world. But when you get that pay bump, um, that's when we want to look at that, right? Um, you know, inflation, or, or when you get pay raises throughout your career, that that lifestyle creep, uh, that's, I think, where you get into trouble. Um, so that's why establishing that, like, hey, let's just say 5% of your income. Now, five years from now, when your income doubles, we're saving twice as much, and you're not even feeling it because you've locked in kind of that, Oh, I, I save money. I'm a person that saves five percent of my income. So, uh, behaviorally, I think it's important to get started early as well.
0: Yeah, I love that. Uh, you also have, recently were talking about the uh, the profile of someone who or family who should be buying a home or not. I think you were saying something to the effect of it shouldn't be the rates that you're looking at. You know, can you talk a little bit yeah. about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Gosh, right now with mortgages around 8%, buying a home, uh, is, a is a really important decision, whether to buy a rent and what kind of mortgage to get it's a really impactful decision. So, um, just being careful and thinking about, Hey, is it the right time for you and your family? How long are you going to stay in the house? Um, you know, what are, what are those maybe career plans? Are we going to be here three or four years, uh, and then move like, like a military family or, Hey, this is our house. We're going to stay in it. This is where we're going to, we're going to grow the family. Um, that stuff is a lot more important. I'm a lot more interested in those thoughts than I am in, oh, my friend says the real estate market here is is really good. My buddy says that interest rates are going to drop next year so we can just refinance. Like All that stuff is guessing. Uh, and it's all based on a market that nobody controls. So I like to more focus on the controllable aspects of your personal situation when we're thinking about buying a home. Uh, rather than trying to time the housing market, like a lot of people do, um, I've heard several people talk about buying houses and with high mortgages that they can't really afford. But then they're like, "Oh, next year when rates go down, I can refinance." Well, there's there's no guarantee that rates are going down next year. So uh, again, it, whether it's the stock market or or you know just home real estate market, uh, timing the market has proven has been proven time and time again not to work. So just Personal situation makes makes all the difference and is the most important thing to take into account when it comes to buying a home.
0: Yeah, you're right. You can't you can't time any market, and the ideal situation is you look back and say that was a good time for me to do that.
1: Yeah, exactly. I got lucky. That yeah, we can say that.
0: (laughs) Um, So you know what? So the so being in the you know the new year and you talk about resolutions. What are a few easy things? Well relatively easy things that, you know, some of us can endeavor towards financially in the new year. So resolutions we can make.
1: And I think mapping out, you know, what are the goals for the year? Also just like beginning of the year is a great time to review. I like to look at savings rate. You know, how much are we gonna try to put away this year? Is that adequate for our income? And then also looking at your balance sheet, what you own, what you owe assets and liabilities. Uh, Just just like a basic review, you know, how's our net worth looking and growing? do we understand why we own the assets we own? Do we understand what this investment account's doing? Do we, you know, do we understand, you know, these liabilities, our student loan, our, if we have a car loan, a mortgage, like, do we, are we paying enough on these? Do we maybe need to go more aggressively on these with excess cash? And, and then I'll, I'll just put a plug along for, um, along with maybe getting, if you don't have it done a uh, proper estate and insurance planning done for the, you know, If your family is not covered with like just a basic will something you're going to want to do, um, as well as, you know, if you have people depending on you for income, uh, you're not financially independent, um, some sort of life insurance, if you don't have enough, um, you know, is, is, is stuff that's important because I can tell you time and time again, um, clients that come on board, like nobody has estate planning done at all.
0: And making sure you all understand what the goals are for the year. Are you going to take any big trips? Should we adjust our savings rate? Let's look at the balance sheet. Do we understand the loans that we have? Let's revisit those, maybe some estate planning, life insurance. What about looking over all the streaming subscriptions you have (laughs) on your TV and and on your phone and some old application? uh, I I go through those every one and, once and again. Yeah. And I kick myself in the butt that I didn't realize I still have those going on.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. You do bring up a good point um, of just like looking at the budget. Like that's foundational. I really should start there, um, knowing what goes comes in and out of your household. Uh, whether you're like me and you like to know every penny, or just just broadly, generally knowing it. it's super important because um, you'll catch things like that subscriptions to streaming services that you really don't use. Um, we have, gosh, we've got like eight of them in our house. We pay for way too many, but, um, but no, being intentional with your cash flows is important. I like to, we don't have a cash flow problem of like spending more than we make in this house, but I still like to know exactly how much is coming in and going out. And then what, again, what we're doing with that money, uh, that excess, do we need to put it, shore up our liquidity? Do we need to maybe put it in a retirement account? Like what, uh, it goes back to the planning aspect, but it all starts with the cash flow.
0: I love that. Uh, Eric, this is, you know, this is great stuff. And, you know, folks in your orbit are, are lucky to have you, you know, your charter of of focusing on young military people, especially, right? Uh, but military members in general, you know, I really appreciate that. Um, but this is the most exciting three minutes in all of podcasts. Are you ready for the pulse check? Eric? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. The Pulse Check is where I give you three questions and you answer those questions with a song title. Okay. Question number one. How do you feel when a new customer asks you to work with them and they have zero savings?
1: Uh, I got to go with Starting Over by Chris Stapleton.
0: Oh, come on. Good one. <laughs> number two. What song reminds you of financial freedom?
1: Uh, I got to go with uh, Free by Zach Brown Band. I'm a big country guy. You can't tell
0: yeah come on it's big in my house I'm not a big country guy Go, I go I go along with it and I've seen some great country oh, shows man. because of it they're good question number three how should most people think about retirement if they plan correctly
1: uh, and this one forever young by Rod Stewart
0: forever yeah. young yeah, yeah, that's right the rasp <laughs> in the voice
1: I don't think I can give you a rendition
0: <laughs> that's alright so, Eric, thank you so much for coming on. Eric Baskin of Baskin Financial. He is specifically helping younger military members that are getting started, as well as transitioning members to veterans. Thank you for all the work that you do. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the Pulse Wave, sir.
1: Thanks, Virgil. I really appreciate you having me on. It was a, good, it was a great time today.
0: Alrighty, all righty. Take care, Eric. Right.